We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Computer, this is Data. I'm an Android. I'm a basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Rangers Make Basketball. And Tim, we wrapped up Summer League this week. Uh, we got an absolutely insane news report about sign-in trading Vanderbilt for, for <laughs> Christian Wood. Yeah, not not a lot going on, but still still kind of weird stuff. Uh, how you doing tonight, man? I don't know if I don't know if news report is that might be overstating it. So somebody said, well, I think Stein said that Wood maybe sign and trade can make some sense. And then there was uh speculation as to hey, you know. LA could do this if they did Vando. And then I said something that 99% of people disagreed with. Um, <laughs> and yeah, we, we talk about it today, but I'm doing yeah. well, Tom. It's, uh, it's part of why we are here today to talk about, you know, we talked a little bit about rotations on the last uh, mailbag pod we did. If you haven't checked that out, go and listen. But yeah, just kind of a good starting point for us, at least today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So today we are going to break down the wings. This will be our first depth chart breakdown. Maybe we could do one a week. Maybe we do guards next week, bigs the following week, something like that. We could spread it out. We've got a, you know, we're we're entering the abyss of uh, basketball until preseason. So certainly have plenty of time to cover all this. Lots of good questions to ask. And it's, you know, that time of year to be challenging ourselves and thinking about, all right, well, what could this team be? How could they move pieces around? What could the rotation look like? All right, now that we've got the team set up, what could the scheme look like? So there's a lot of what ifs and what needs to be true for X, Y, and Z to happen. And in a way, it's it's fun because now all of you know the chessboard is all set up, and now we get to speculate and brainstorm and have good conversations. And today, again, start with wings. And if you're asking what does wing mean, I think you can define it different ways. For simplicity's sake, today we're going to talk about the small forward and power forward positions because I think for the Lakers, and we'll save this for those episodes, but the the one, the two, and the five are fairly straightforward rotationally. But 
looking at, well, and, and, you know, maybe you can, you argue for minutes here versus there, but it's generally between the same, like two dudes for each of those. And then at the three and the four, we've got like four, five, six guys that you could make an argument for. And I've seen people make arguments for from a minute standpoint. And that I think leads to some fun conversation. So we've got a, you know, Lakers, they've got a, a quite a familiar face returning LeBron James. He will be playing this upcoming season. He's under contract for another year and then has a $51.4 million player option for the 2024-2025 season. That number can change a little bit based on the cap, but that's a lot of money. And at this point, like, I think we wouldn't be surprised if he were to decline it to then go try to play with his son. But still, crazy amount of money. He's not making that much this year, but he's still making quite a bit. Uh, last year produced $25.6 million worth of value on court based on his play injuries certainly held that dollar value down. And I also think just like from like a max contract standpoint, like you need to be playing out of your mind, I think to justify some of these. And if you're injured at all, it's, it's really difficult to do, but you know, superstar rock star, hopefully that ankle's feeling a bit better. If we see him transition more to the post, Rather than out of perimeter isolations, I wouldn't be surprised. But I guess TBD. TBD, we'll have to see how much of the ankle was related to that. I know late game in the playoffs, he was really struggling with the with the ISO offense, with the pick and roll offense. So we got to see him get right to get a good sense of what he's looking like. But another year, uh, another LeBron, a different number, a familiar number, but he'll be number 23 this upcoming. And uh, I, I think he's looking at these guys like, we, we've got the wing log jam question mark title for the episode, but outside of LeBron and even with LeBron, it's still, you know, we have to see what he looks like. There are a number of players, but I don't know that there's anyone who has been able to like put together big stretches of play where you're like, Oh, for sure. We can rely on that guy to, you know, play 30 minutes in the rotation every night against every opponent. LeBron's that guy, but after him, it, the, the waters really get muddy. Yeah, so let's start with LeBron then. Uh, we put up some footage of him in the post, which it seemed like, you know, to your point, where he was most comfortable last season, um, both operating and hitting his little, you know, pet jumper, had his, uh, you know, um, uh, point to score, to pass Kareem in the, in the highlights there, working out of the mid post. But it does seem like all the things he's getting to, a pick and roll action, is to get a switch to get into the post. He's going to push a little bit in transition because he has that switch and just dribble into the post is what I saw from some of the film, how he was getting into his post-ups. You know, he was going toward that through uh, several different actions. And, you know, I'm excited by guys like Prince and Rui, what they can do off ball and some of the film we watched uh, on them as well. So I'm confident at least, you know, Prince with that addition giving them that depth. Um, I think he's a, a really good wing player to play next to LeBron as well. So, you know, I think that was an unexpected ad, but I think that is in part kind of a, a in relationship to maybe what they expect from LeBron being maybe like 27 minutes a night in, you know, Detroit, if we can spare it, you know, maybe they pull that, that back a little bit to try and keep those games up instead of, um, you know, running the risk of, of getting him injured. And that now that they have that depth, they, they have a little bit more opportunity. And, and to be clear, you're saying 27 minutes in a game where you can kick some butt 
rest the starters at the end or rest LeBron. Sure, yeah. Is that what you're saying there? Like yeah. on a on a per game overall on the season basis, I, we've seen him 35, 37. How low do we think he's able to get this year? It, it, he might need. He might be at that point where he needs to start doing so to make sure he's able to play as many games as he can and be ready for the playoffs. And with as many other wings as they have, I think you can argue with this team like they're built well enough that over 82 games, you know, this is this probably isn't going to be a team that starts two and ten and then is trying to chase from behind the whole year, they should be in decent shape. Right. And that probably affords the Lakers more opportunity to exactly. manage his yep. uh, his fatigue, I suppose. And I think that's baked in to like, the expectation that guys are going to miss games as well, right? Mm-hmm. And if you talk about trying to play bigger with maybe AD at the four, I still don't really buy it with Jackson Hayes, or but we'll, we'll see You know, if they bring someone else in. Then that's going to take even more minutes away from some of these guys, you know, right? So Mm -hmm. I think they're baking in injury with the depth that they added while also trying to diversify. Cause I think some of what Prince can do off the dribble is, is, is better than what Rui or Vando or any of the other wings can offer besides LeBron, you know? So um, it's nice. I'm, I'm intrigued by Prince. I really think he's going to be a really good connector piece role player, but we'll see if his defense is, it's too bad. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll see what that looks like. I, I think with LeBron, whether or not that ankle is is was the reason that he was playing more as a an interior guy instead of a perimeter guy will be key to see. If he is now more of an interior player, I want to see the offense adjust a bit. I want to see more post game, more mid post, more high post. Leverage the fact that he's an excellent passer and put him in situations where you're able to get cutting and screening. And you know, we've got some guys around him that are able to finish off of those situations or make short roll reads or our lob threats. So getting him in, in positions where you're able to leverage him attacking the rim, regardless of how far from the rim he starts, I think is really smart. It, we saw even last year with him slowing down a bit, 98th percentile rim shot creation. His self-created opportunities at the rim still very high from a playmaking standpoint, still 99.9th percentile, 99th percentile quality, 90th percentile volume. 99th percentile versatility. Like he's making all the reads. He's finding all the dudes. He's creating great opportunities. I think he will continue to adjust as he needs to. Uh, But if he's able to be more explosive, I think that's certainly an element that, that helps the Lakers offense. But yeah, let's, let's talk about Torian Prince. He is someone the Lakers brought in at the BAE. So about four and a half million dollars one year. Uh, this past season, he added less than $2 million worth of value with his production on the court. It was a down season. He had below average impact on both ends of the court. And interestingly, like he's been a guy in the past that could be somewhat of a three and D sort of player, or at least the three pointers have been there. But as a movement shooter this past year, I guess, you know, if you just look at his, his three point shot making data versus all players, B plus B plus B the past three seasons among his peers as uh, among rotation movement shooters. He had a D grade for his three-point shot making and his catch-and-shoot three-point shot making, which is, you know, it's below average. He's still a good shooter. Just the the bar raises when you look at those specific guys. Uh, Compared to his peers, he had a C-plus shot quality overall, D shot making overall. I certainly think that shot quality can go up. That's something I'd see raising with the Lakers, helping him out, getting him better opportunities to, to put more, you know, balls through the net. 
His uh, B-plus self-created shot making is interesting. He's a, he's a good pull-up guy. And between his passing, his like okay ability to get to and finish at the rim, and that mid-range game, I think he's someone that will be able to see attack closeouts well and do so for not just himself but others, which I think is a nice nice element. But I think you're calling out. Go ahead. Yeah, no, just like in the film there, great dump off, you know, really good chemistry mm-hmm. with Gobert. Yeah a couple of plays where he was like a secondary facilitator, just kind of grabbing and waiting to make the right pass, but he did it on time and in the right place to the right guy. So he has a little bit of that in him and he has a little bit of shake too. I think, you know, like dribble wise, he's, he's not somebody you want to like, you know, bring the ball up, but he's definitely somebody who in space can create more space and keep an advantage, which excites me. Yeah. I think that's a good way to put it. He's not the advantage creator, but give him an advantage and, he can shoot, he can attack the closeout and shoot from mid-range or, or go to the rim. Or if you cut those off, yeah. find a guy. So just not a, not probably not a primary creator, probably not a secondary creator, but as just like a tertiary guy out there, Yeah, you know, it'll be easy to do worse than, than what he's able to bring. So that's a nice element to his game. Now, defensively, certainly not a wing stopper. From my eyes, uh, he had average impact among rotation chasers this past year. And that was the role that he was in. I don't I don't know that that's how he's going to be used on this team. Uh, I would expect that he'll probably be like a helper, I suppose. And, and L.A. will need for him to be rotating well, communicating well, helping out on the rebounds with, you know, a little more effort than he has in the past. I think he's got a lot to prove on that end and how well he does on that end will dictate how much he's able to play. Cause offensively there's fit, there's skill. He is coming off a down year, but it's more of an outlier down year looking at his other seasons. So I, I trust in the offense, the defense, I think to me is still an open question, but he was somebody that Rob Polinka described as a three and D wing. Uh, it, when, when I'll read off a, a quote from Rob, this was on, it touched on reddish. It touched on Prince. He said, you always have to go through the defending champs to get where we want to go uh, to win another championship. And we got beat by Denver and we got beat by a Denver team that was bigger and longer. And so I think to go out into the free agent market and find a guy like Cam Reddish, who was six, eight, six, nine, and can play that three and D role. Torian Prince was another three and D wing. We just really wanted to upgrade our size, length, defense, and shooting. And he goes on to talk about Reddish a little bit more, but size, length, defense, and shooting. I think shooting check size length yeah i mean i I guess it depends how you play him um if you do play him as a chaser yeah he's got pretty pretty solid length and size as a wing i I think he's a little bit less differentiating let me let me pull up my uh my uh percentiles here i looked at positional size compared to to positions just the other day on twitter let me grab that real quick i should have that right here yeah so torian prince he would be 28th percentile height compared to wings, 91st percentile height compared to guards. So if he is used as a two guard for whatever reason, he's going to be a huge one. Uh, Lakers do have an injury situation perhaps, but uh, I would imagine he'll play more as a wing. What do you think? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I mean, I can see it. Um, I can see him defensively being a two and then being, you know, kind of flexible on the wing. I think he can play with both LeBron and AD. I think, you know, both with, with separately or, or together because I think he has the touch to like throw some lobs over the top if, if he gets gets that advantage. But I don't want him on wings. So if you have to play another Vando or Rui next to them, is he is he able to, I guess, keep up with some of the some of the faster guards? Are you willing to make that that risk? I would say he's probably not. I think if you're going to play him as a two defensively, you need to be careful who the matchup is. I think if you're going to play him as a like a wing stopper, you got to be really careful who the matchup is. So yeah, I I think he'll be more of a team defender and less of a like go stop that guy mm-hmm. kind of player. And I'm I mean, with how the Lakers are constructed, I don't even know how much opportunity he'll have to be a chaser just because if Vincent or D'Lo are on the court. They're either going to be at the point of attack or they'll probably be like an off ball guard defender, probably in a chaser role with maybe Reeves at the point of attack or maybe maybe they even set Christie at the point of attack uh, over D uh, low. If that's if those are the options, I don't know. But if you were to stick, let's say Prince is in there as a three, if he's going to play chaser. Now we need either. I guess Christie could play. Eh, OK. I might be able to see it. Yeah, there might be some combos where that makes sense. I think it'll just be very dependent on the lineup. Uh, but it'll be interesting to learn a little bit more about these guys, how their skills align. And any Anytime you can have uh, role versatility defensively, I think that's really valuable and unlocks new lineups. So, yeah, maybe you run out like Vincent at point of attack. Uh, Prince can be a chaser and then like Christie is a helper potentially. Uh, if you don't want Christie as a chaser and Prince is the helper, I – I think you can go different ways with it, but I think D'Lo is someone that you, you know, he needs to be guarding ones or twos and probably not at the point of attack. Mm -hmm. And that's where Reeves or Max or Vincent would come in handy. I mean, something like Vincent, yeah, Vincent, Prince, Christie, LeBron, AD. I don't know. Just throwing stuff out there. Yeah, that could be the, you know, those are three guys that can like just be off ball, let LeBron and AD cook, cook if you help you get burnt. Um, 
Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm very intrigued to see all the lineups LA is able to throw out because they got a lot of interesting players. They, if they wanted to, can play like fairly large and switchy, or they could play, you know, very drop coverage heavy or more edging and recovering. There's a lot that they can do. One thing that I, I, ex- I guess I expect to see at this point is Rui Hachimura start. I think we'll probably see him start alongside LeBron, though I do think other guys will certainly have an opportunity. Rui yeah. just signed a three-year, $51 million deal. Um, buckle up. He produced $2 million worth of production last regular season. And that was uh, defensively as a low-activity defender. He needs to be a helper. He needs to be doing more than that. You can't have him not active helping and hiding from a matchup standpoint. That's problematic. So that we need to see some improvement there. And then offensively, again, regular season, he shot 34% on his threes with Washington, then 30% with the Lakers. Now in the playoffs, he did shoot 49% <laughs> on 39 threes. So crazy number, really, really good. Over 82 games, you know, he wasn't as good. But when you include the whole sample, he shot decently from three. But understand that the regular season numbers are going to be impacted by him being quite a poor three-point shooter. So we need that shooting to carry over. If it doesn't, other guys are going to have a shot. If it does, I think he's a really solid player. So the Lakers obviously made a bet on Rui, at least in, in the market. And they made a bet on him last year, paid off. So they're betting on him again. That's fine. That's great. What I like, though, is how they've constructed this team. If Rui regresses in a way that he's, you know, Jacking up shots. He's not kind of moving the ball, but you know how he got better at, at playing as a team guy during the regular season. They have options at least if for, for being able to replace his minutes mm-hmm. and it's not ideal, but it's not a terrible contract too, with the cap going up like what, like almost 10 million a year um, going forward. It's, it's fine. You may be slightly overpaid him, but I think, if he doesn't live up to those expectations, they're in a good spot um, with the depth that they have. And maybe they do bring up JHS or, you know, someone else to, and, and rely more on Max Christie if he's able to prove it. Yeah, I think that's certainly a possibility. Let's hope not. I mean, let's hope, you know, Rui plays well, Prince plays well, Vando's playing well, Reddish is emerging, like, and now he's got a wing problem. They really do have that log jam. But to your point, if one of these guys, or two of these guys, don't pan out the way you're hoping for, they have other options. And that's really nice. So they were able to mix in some some floor with some ceiling and some projects with some more, you know, we know exactly who they are and what they do sorts of guys. And Ruiz, I think a mix of that, we're certainly seeing him come off of, you know, he's never going to shoot better than that for three. Like that was insane. And then also, as we've talked about this, his late clock offense, he's good at it. Yeah. But he couldn't miss as a Laker and that's yeah. just unrealistic to, to put on him moving forward. So I think he'll be good there. I just don't know. Like he won't be that good. He can't be that good. So it, yeah. in certain ways he will be worse than what we just saw, but we still know he can do some things. He's getting better defensively. He's, he's, you know, rotationally from a box out standpoint, those defensive so, rebounding habits. Like he's let me ask you as well. Do you believe in that? more or his uh three-point shot maybe becoming more real like which because i i think one or the other is kind of a facade do you think it's the the three-pointer or the the defensive 
kind of step up he's taken? I think the defense is more, I trust the defense more. I trust that like, because with, with the shooting, it's you shot well on 39 shots with Mm -hmm. the defense. It's on a play by play by play basis. You had to like, I, you know, diagnose the situation, make decisions, get to the right place at the right time, and then use good technique to execute. And the overall volume of that and the like, I don't know, that comes down more to skill and understanding and effort than it does with the shooting, which is more like you could have just gotten hot for a little bit. And okay. yeah, I now I want both to pan out and I want both to carry over. Yeah. But if I had to pick one, I think I would go with the defense. So if one or the other slips during the regular season, are you if his defense slips, that's I think when he gets pulled. If his shot's not falling and he's out there playing good defense, I think he stays in the rotation. But once that defense slides back, I think that's that's kind of Ham's, you know, baseline. It could be. I think it's some of it may depend on how good is Prince's defense. Because we know Prince can mm-hmm. probably hit three as well. So mm-hmm. between the two of these guys, we've got some questions on defense. We've got some questions with the three-point shooting. And if you go two for two here, fantastic. If you go one for two, okay. If you go over for two, you're you're in trouble, but you're probably not going to go over two. But just just again, having the options is really helpful. I also saw interestingly with Rui, his offensive role this past season was being used as an athletic finisher, which is an off ball, hmm. low three point attempt rate position, kind of garbage man. You know, you're getting putbacks, you're getting some dump offs, you're doing some big man stuff, you're doing some wing stuff. I, I don't like where where do you think you would want him from a role standpoint? Was that all season or is that just with the Lakers? That would be all season. So I, I find it kind of hard to, I don't know, read too much into that because I feel like the the film I watched, he he's a diff play a, like playing more for himself as a wizard. And and I do see a scale progression. So, I mean, as a role, I think he's a spot up shooter. Like, and then, uh, you know, if you need to, if you have some injuries, I think he can run the second unit guy, um, run it through him, maybe in the post, teach him how to facilitate out there. Like, you got plenty of guys who can help him make those reads um, on the team. So, I wouldn't be mad at that as a secondary option, but primarily I think he'll be a spot up shooter three and D guy. If he's going to start, that's what he's need need to be at the ceiling for this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a, a stationary shooter with some juice attacking closeouts. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But then I think, you know, you do also have, and, and I know some people were upset with his offensive usage in the regular season. We're clamoring for more to be run through him. I, I think he was used in a way that made sense. Like it was, I, I don't, you don't want to run pick and rolls with him. He's not, good enough of an ISO guy that that's your like this we're gonna go run the ISO play for him like late clock he can make something happen if he gets a kick out or I think if you were to try to run something through him I think it would be like posting up mismatches and he showed that he can he can do that well so that's that piece and the ability to attack closeouts his big body like I think those are elements of his offense that make him a little bit more than just spot up wing but from a role standpoint that's probably how I'd be deploying him most regularly. So wouldn't be surprised to see that role change this upcoming year. Uh, and that kind of brings us to Vanderbilt, Tim, who I think is kind of a p- part of this conversation was, is he maybe on the outside looking in? If you try to build 
a lineup, giving LeBron this kind of normal slate of minutes, you know, mixing in these new guys. Like, I think Prince is going to play right away. I think Christie's going to get a shot as well. It's it's hard to find, you know, more than like 12 minutes for something. And that's kind of tr- trying to stretch it, right? And for as well as Vanderbilt did toward the end of the regular season, he was like progressively less useful throughout the playoffs, right? Throughout each round, I think, as the competition got harder and the coaching was better at kind of attacking him. So I saw I saw you going off, Tim, you know, saying that the part people don't want to hear about Vando, maybe, that maybe it's better if if we decide and trade him for Wood. <laughs> so I, I'll I guess I'll start by addressing that piece first. So Grabbing, like, signing and trading for Wood, given the space the Lakers have, would be him signing, like, a four, four and a half million dollar deal. And to do a sign and trade, like, he'd have to sign a multi-year deal. I guess the only the first year would be guaranteed, but, like, I, I don't know. I think you, it, from an asset management standpoint, it probably makes more sense to just try to sign him. And you can offer him some, you know, a close amount of money to what he was just making. He'd have more flexibility to be able to, all right, you know, I'm going to prove myself again this year when I'm in the first winning environment I've ever been in. And it's also, you know, been a contract year for me. I want to go, you know, play well, do better. It's always tricky trying to gauge how, you know, a guy who's always been on these teams that haven't really been trying to win. Like, how does that translate over when you have infrastructure, when you have veteran leadership, are you able to get more out of a player? And, uh, you know, for those reasons, it's it's somewhat intriguing. I think the crux of my thought with him was that if you do have a wing lock, Jim, and, and we may, we may not. I don't know that you can fully rely on all these guys, but and, and for that reason, it's going to have backups. And of course, throughout 82 games, you're going to have guys that are injured at every yeah. position, not just the wing position, but you got a lot of wings. You've got uh, LeBron, who's going to play in probably mid most games. That's a lot of minutes. You've got Rui, who just gave you just gave a bat. He's going to take up a good number of minutes. You have Torian Prince, who you just paid. Like, you could have taken – if you didn't want Prince, you could have used that money and went and spent it on Christian Wood and then spent a min somewhere else. I think if they went to, out to go pay Prince, they plan to pay, uh, play Prince. Um, so he's going to be, you know, competition there. And then Vando, to your point, was someone that – in the, in the postseason, we saw his role shrink and shrink and shrink a bit. And it's not that he's just a bad player. It's not a matter of giving him credit or not giving him a credit. He's good at some things. He's really good at some things on defense. There are other areas he's not all that strong with. And so he's vulnerable to, I guess, just based on the tactics of a series and the matchups of a series, being someone that has more or less value on defense it's important the scheme he plays in, the lineups he plays in to make the most out of him. And that's not really something we saw. And I think a lot of our gripes about the Lakers coaching staff this past playoff run was like, it doesn't seem like they understand how to play him and how to get the most of him. And so that's something I think we need to account for. And then offensively, we we know he's someone that teams you know, look at and give the Russell Westbrook treatment. And that is incredibly disruptive to an offense. And we saw that. And I think, I mean, people are trying to tell like I, I think you could disagree on the wood thing and we'll get back to the wood thing yeah, but like yeah don't the, the the I don't know the 
thinking just back can. at what Vando gave and just coming up with things that like weren't true. It's like, come on, man. Like we just did yeah, yeah. playing series. You. I hear you. Get out of here. It's like, yeah, you can't you can't pretend that didn't happen. I will say Christian Wood was on a team trying to make the playoffs. Who was trying to be good. And he could oh, that's true. Yeah, it was on Dallas to shame. Like they shut it down for sure, but he was in and out of the rotation and not on the best you know, side of coach. Kidd. Yeah. But what I was going to say sense with that team though, like schematically, he is such an awful fit with what they want to do. That's fair. Um, let handy cook, man, give handy a summer with Vanderbilt. He's 24. Do you have any confidence that Vanderbilt just uh, based on the age discrepancy woods, I think 27, you know what I mean? Or do you consider that at all? And maybe have some confidence he can improve. I think, Yes, and because we've seen him do it before. I think that's that's part of this. It's like he didn't get a bunch of money for no reason. He's been a good player, and he, like in Dallas, you don't want a Christian Wood next to a Luka Doncic. You want, you want a Lobter. You want a JaVale McGee. You want a Dwight Powell. You want a, a Dwight Howard kind of guy. Like that's – or late Dwight Howard kind of guy. Like those are the styles of players that make more sense with Luka with how pick-and-roll heavy their offense is – and how the point of that job, that role man, is to be a lob threat. Wood isn't that guy, and for that reason, it just didn't it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. So I just think the fit there schematically from the very beginning made no sense, um, and and I think that's worth accounting for. But yeah, I don't know. The, the, with with Vando, like there will be times he's super valuable. There are other times that like he's not, and it's good to have that piece around so that in the right situations you can play him, but. Something that I don't know that I had realized the full extent of until I actually like grabbed the data and mapped it out. His minutes had begun going away and away and away and away for a lot of the regular season. Later on in the regular season, Mm -hmm. his minutes just were dropping and dropping. It wasn't just suddenly when you get to the playoffs, oh, he suddenly becomes a problem because his teams are game planning. No, we saw just a higher and higher frequency of games in the regular season where opponents were game planning against him. And that was something that the Lakers saw and responded to by pulling his minutes. So I, you want guys that can, you know, play in the playoffs. You also want guys that can just be good regular season players. And he hasn't proved that he, he has not proven to us that he can really be either, but that doesn't mean that he's not a good player and he doesn't add value. And I would certainly love to have him on the team. And in certain situations in certain matchups, he makes a ton of sense. So, but I just, yeah, pretending he's good at everything and he's this elite perimeter defender and oh well, what about the game he shut down Luca? Go look at the game when they played Dallas in <laughs> February, by the way, February regular season game. I end up pulling my notes and look at the film. It was the same stuff as the Golden State series. It's like oh, he denies well, he could play good one v one defense, but oh crap, they like to run ball screens and then all of a sudden it becomes a different situation. So I, I, I just thinking back to box scores for opponents and just assuming that one guy shut down another guy and that basketball is a series of one V one matchups is it's silliness to me. And we're smarter than that. So that, that was annoying, yeah. but, but yeah, no, go, go sign wood. You don't have to trade Vando for wood, but if you had to pick one or the other and it's like, all right, we can pick between two regular season players that we don't trust in the playoffs. One of them, we like his offense. The other one, we like his defense. And on the other end of the court for both, you don't trust what they bring. The thinking would be, we have a lot of wings. We have AD. We have Hayes, who we're a little worried about. And you've got Castleton as a two-way. And then what else? 
if you can't get Biombo, you can't sign Wood, uh, like that's where just allocating your resources, I think, could make some sense. If Vando, let me ask you this: If Vando averages thirty-five percent in the quarters, do you think, like, just mark it in pen? What do you think? How does that change anything for you? I mean, what did he shoot in the corners this year? It wasn't. It, it, I, I, I think it, it's I slightly think, worse than that, but. Let me. I'll, I'll grab the numbers. I've got it right here. I'm not uh, trying to like. Cor- he shot 34.1 percent in the corners this past year. Yeah, slightly better. 35 on 98th percentile shot quality. Like. He's <sighs> marginally better at three, in the corners and the red spots. It can be helped. Like there's the, the the gravity just won't be there. I don't know. I still won't be there. Okay. I don't. I think he has to get a bit better than that. And but you're asking the right question. Like for him to, I guess you know, getting into to analyzing things here, he produced three point six five million dollars of production last season. Uh, he ended up being a wing stopper on defense after being used as a mobile big in Utah. LA used him as a wing stopper, so that moved his role over. Um, He's been a roll and cut big his whole career and doesn't finish all that well or rebound all that well compared to those guys. So like he's always been very negative in general and compared to his peers offensively and defensively, like throw him in ball screens and it gets, it gets problematic. But so offensively, how likely is it that he develops a three point shot is like the critical question. And I don't want to pretend that. Like, oh, well, he's just never had a real coaching staff before. It's like, oh, well, it's never, it's it's not like he's never, you know, had an offseason to try to improve before. This has been his issue. He has been this guy for years. And so he's getting better. The Super Bowl is getting better, but I don't think we should suddenly expect a gigantic growth. Nor do I think I mean, we just saw LeBron James come off of his worst three-point shooting year in forever. It, it's not like everyone that plays for the Lakers suddenly becomes better three-point shooters. In fact, it's been the opposite. So that's the, uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to assume but anything. To be fair, Vanderbilt, his whole career has been a guy who's marginally gotten better every year. And mm-hmm. that last little bit the kind of like kept him in the league, right? He was kind of on the fringe of the league. And some, I think that's kind of like the hardest leap to make. You know what I mean? And improving and staying on the court. I think he's gotten a lot better. Yeah, I, he has gotten better. And I think he will continue to get better. I just, I don't want to be unrealistic about how much he might be able to get better. So looking at some data, I thought this was a good way to ground things and contextualize. I ended up being a little bit more optimistic. So there were, I I found 60 players who were in his range when it came to shooting talent or metric for that. And then threes made for 75 possessions and had played a thousand minutes or more that season. And then the next season, when we look at the average growth from that season to the next season, for the three-pointers made per 75 possessions, it was two and a half percentile points, not percentage points. And then for perimeter shooting talent, four percentile points. So, you know, if you were in the 40th percentile up to the 44th percentile or 50th to 54th, um, 40 of the 60 guys were either worse the next year or about treading water, maybe a little bit better. Two-thirds of the guys didn't really, you know, meaningfully improve. with. 11 of them, we saw some moderate growth and moderate growth to that degree would get Vando from where he was last year up to like Thomas Bryant level three-point shooting, which is like still not great, but it's like, yeah, you know, you can kind of do it. Um, 
Now, eight of these 60 guys had large growth I, I, when I put them in different buckets. If he had that kind of growth, it would get him up to Russell Westbrook level uh, three-point shooting caliber. And then there was one of the 60 guys, Brandon Ingram, who had a just crazy jump. And I have no reason to believe that Vando would be a second Brandon Ingram. But if he has that, then yeah, absolutely. He's cooking. <laughs> but I don't know. There's Well, no. Easy. That's... Like, I'm saying kind of marginal growth, Tim. He's going to be marginally better than last year. And I think that's uh-huh. fine. I, I think, think that's fine. fine. I, I just think, think it's still he's, useful. He's still, he's still useful. He's still the same guy, effectively. For sure. Like he, needs, For sure. he needs outlier growth to be a little bit different. But, like, it's not like he's the only guy in this, this area. Like, DSJ, TJ McConnell, Markel Fultz, all three guys in the same ranges in those two areas as Vando was this past season. And those are guys that are able to play uh, and, and add value in different ways, attacking the rim or playing defense or, or both or some playmaking. If LA is able to find ways to lean more into his playmaking, I, I wonder if the dribble handoff game we've seen with Castleton translates to the regular season with more than just centers. I think that could be a way to get him more involved as, as a, uh, like a trigger man, as a short roll passer, as a dribble handoff passer. Um, I don't know. I, I think you want to try to find ways to be smarter with them on offense, but we saw this team really struggle to make use of him in ways that like exploited the defense for leaving him alone. And I, I just, I don't know. It was a rookie staff, but I just don't know they, they kind of have to prove it. I don't think we should assume that suddenly they'll be able to figure this out because plenty of teams have it. So that's, that's concerning. I think the other area that if he were to be, you know, taking a big jump, it would really help him as his screen navigation. And compared to all players, like he's he's good. Compared to point of attack players, his ball screen navigation ranked in the sixth percentile. So lower than 94% of guys. Compared to wing stoppers, 16th percentile. Uh, again, I looked at guys with a thousand or more minutes. So he's on the lower end there. And this is where schematically, I mean, if he can get better, great. And that really helps. If he can't, I think you want to try to use him in switchier lineups because I think really where he can add value is stick him on a Luka Doncic, stick him on him, stick him on a Steph Curry. And then if they run a ball screen switch and he's got some size, he's not the, you know, the, the, the thickest guy on the inside, but he's got some size more than most that would be switching to be able to hold his own. Or you start him on a big or a four. And then if they run a ball screen, then you can switch him onto Luka or Steph or whoever. That I think to me is a good way to use him. And that is a way that I think LA is better set up to use him this upcoming year. I think they have switcher players now. Rui, Prince, Reddish, Vincent was switchier among guards. Hayes was incredibly switchy among centers. AD can do that. LeBron can do that. Christie didn't, but can. Uh, you know, Reeves can hold his own a bit. I think LA has more potential to switch more this upcoming year and make more out of a guy like Jared Vanderbilt. It just hadn't leaned into it, but now they've got more of the personnel for it. So that could be a way to me, if he's able to, you know, play 25 minutes a game and it's not a problem on defense and, and offensively you're able to make it work in the regular season, it'll probably be because the Lakers are leading more on switching. And yeah, we haven't really talked much about Cam Reddish. I feel like he's, yeah, I don't, he'll maybe get a shot early just because they'll have like you said, random injuries, maybe just get him in there, see what he looks like. But mm-hmm. do you have any, I don't know, are you optimistic, I guess, about him having any like meaningful minutes? So uh, some of the areas he has tangibly grown in are his 
mid-range shooting, his shooting at the rim, and he's he's been steady in terms of being able to get to the rim. I think that's helpful. His three-point shooting, he's had three Fs in four years for his three-point shot making. That piece right there, that's that's the biggest thing for him. If he can hit his threes decently, it's huge. If not, it's going to be hard to see him play on offense. He has had B+, plus, D-, minus, D+, plus, and B three-point shot quality compared to Pierce. That's going to get better. That's going to get better for sure. So I think he's going to have better opportunity, easier shots. If he can put him in, he's offensively, I, I can see things making sense. As a spot-up guy that can attack and close up for mid-range, can do some things, at the rim can do some things. Offensively, I, I see the I, I see how he could be used. He, as we mentioned on a previous pod and stream, he'd been used as a pick-and-roll guy really often at both of his stops this past season. To me, that's not a good way to use him, and I would expect would go away with the Lakers. So role, opportunity, or I guess role and shot quality will make much more sense for him with LA along with the growth he's made, I think offensively, you know, things make sense. Now, defensively, we need to see some awareness growth, some rotational growth. And that's an area where I mean, hopefully it's a, with an off season, he can improve and things like that. Cause those are like, I don't know. I, I feel like that's probably easier to get better at than like suddenly develop a three point shot, but We'll, we'll see. TBD. He needs to be a better team defender. Uh, he's a very good defensive playmaker, but staying in front, navigating screens, he could, you know, he could use a little bit of work there from a technique standpoint. And then the, just that team defense. So he's got a lot of things to work on. We'll see by preseason what he's gotten better at. I think at some point he's going to get a shot, but he certainly has a lot of guys that should start out in front of him in the pecking order. Again, minimum contract. He's a flyer. We'll see what he could do. Uh, apparently, uh, going back to Rob Palinka's quote, uh, let's see, Cam's journey has been up and down, but we have an assistant coach in Chris Gent. Uh, he was really with Cam early in his career in Atlanta, and he clicked with him. So he was a big part of Darwin and I wanting to bring him back. We think Cam is going to have a really big season for us. So hopefully they're able to get something out of him. If that three-point shooting and that that team defense can improve, I can see him getting a, an opportunity. and. From a wing stopper standpoint, I think he and Vando are your best two bets. So I, I like him more in that role than LeBron, more than Prince. And so if if he can step up there more than Rui, I think as well, perhaps. We'll see. Uh, I think potential-wise, yes, but we'll, we'll see what it actually looks like. I'm optimistic, but tempering expectations early season. All right. That should do it, I think, for today, Tim. Yeah, if you want to get in our Discord where conversation doesn't stop this time of year just screenshot a five-star review if you're in your podcast player of choosing and send it over to us and dms and we'll get you the link yeah absolutely great conversation going on in there we'll, we'll continue talking through some of this stuff i was in there today i was in there yesterday having some good conversations shout out to the, the folks in those different tiers uh court prowess tj Timotaji in the arena sponsorship tier uh, Q, uh zach harris q daddio ipod shuffle miguel t shuttleworth Omar, Roy, Abdul Rahman, Keneal Mason, Doppler, Romario for living the high life with us in the owner's box. Super valuable community. We have some great conversations in there, some private channels, some X's and O's stuff, uh, bonus pods, Q&A. Get in there. Check out the link in my bio on Twitter or DM me, Tom, or the podcast account of Five Star Review, and, and we can get you in there and uh, continue the conversation. So we'll see if Twitter ends up 
you know, falling apart or not, but uh, <laughs> Discord will will always be there. So so come join. You don't necessarily even have to to pay to join. Um, so it's it's a good outlet to continue having smart hoops discussions about LA without having fans of other teams lurking over your shoulders. And we'll be back tomorrow. Thanks everybody. Have a great night.